0: Dara, this chick's place is insane, Amaka whistled as the kitchen door swung behind her and Dara. Are you sure it's okay for us to help ourselves? I don't think she'll mind. Dara was almost blinded by the whiteness of the curved room. The cupboards, fridge and floor, even the appliances were white. It was like being inside a coconut. Can you see the kettle? Oh, here. Amaka put her glass of wine down and extracted something from the white wall. Damn, this Google money must be good. I heard the Singapore office has its own train station. I have no idea, but can we not talk about this? She could walk in at any time. Dara hunted through the cupboards for the tea. How are you feeling? One week to go, Dara blew out the sour frustration that had been building all day. The news couldn't have spread faster if Hermes had announced it himself. Some of the other lawyers had appeared sympathetic, though they were careful not to say too much. The sirens had done a terrible job of hiding their delight. Like the petty creatures they were, they were thrilled that an unexpected sea monster had wrapped its tentacles around her boat and slowed her progress. Ian's acting like nothing's changed. It's been the most crazy-making week. Having to pretend everyone isn't gossiping behind my back. And the most galling part is that I still have to work just as hard. He's been piling even more on my plate, like he's trying to prove it's too much for me to handle. What have you found out about Lanny? Maka filled the kettle. Nothing. Dara found some Earl Grey. Absolutely nothing. His Instagram's private and he doesn't have a Facebook page. Some pictures popped up on his image search. I can't be completely sure it's him, but I think it is. Holiday pics with some friends. A girlfriend, maybe? White girl? Of course. Dara sniffed a carton of milk from the fridge and poured some into her mug. Amaka took an ice tray out of the freezer and turned two blocks into her glass. So, we wait and see. Dara tidied everything away before turning back to the living room. We wait and see. Four other members of the book club were spread out across the armchairs and sofa. They were helping themselves to a tray of popcorn and tortilla chips, sharing photos from their Christmas holiday. A carrot cake in a cake keeper bided its time in the centre of the table and three half-empty wine bottles cooled in a bucket. As Dara and Amaka settled into the divan, Dara followed the threads of the group's different conversations, piecing together what she knew about them so far. Nana, a British Ghanaian child psychologist, sat with her knees hugged close to her chest so that she folded over herself like an abstract figurine. With a pashmina draped over her shoulders, she exuded a floaty calmness, reminiscent of yoga and ginger oil. Yemisi was an older Nigerian mum whose large breasts bounced against the strained keyhole of her silk halterneck. Every other sentence was about her husband or sons. As the two women chatted, Dara realised that they were the two sides of moneyed Africa that made their way across the ocean. Nana was dusty red roads and crumbling airports filtered through glossy pages of architectural coffee table books. Yemisi was the Africa of excess. A bulky saline bag and long Peruvian weave that hung like two curtains separated by the shiny railing of her faux scalp. Latoya chatted with Kike Ibusu, the only other woman Dara had met before today the daughter of a Nigerian state governor and former chairman of the National Bank, Kike's wealth was rumoured to be astronomical. But in her simple white polo shirt and white denim shorts, there was no evidence of this. She didn't even have a handbag tonight. In fact, the only telltale sign of her money were her cut glass accent and her long straight ponytail, all her own and impeccable skin. A stay-at-home mum Kike had always been friendly when they ran into each other at events, but Dara noticed that she was rarely with her husband, Bayo, and was never particularly eager to talk about her two young boys. Wait, you get your hair products delivered to Singapore for free? Yemesi interrupted Latoya, overhearing her exchange with Kike. We pay postage, but it's U.S. prices, not international, Latoya said smugly. Perks of the job. Latoya works for the U.S. Navy, Nana explained, catching Dara's eye. Oh, cool, Dara cupped her mug. How long have you lived here? Five years. My kids are all grown. My son's in college, and my daughter's finishing her final year of IB, So, Singapore is awesome. I feel like I'm in my 20s again. Yemisi wrinkled her nose and shook her head. I don't think I want my boys growing up here past 10. It's too disconnected from the real world. Last week, we went to the cinema, and this kid, he couldn't have been more than 13 Turned around to shush the woman behind him, if that had happened in some parts of London, he would have been slapped, or worse. Are you kidding me? Latoya scoffed. My kids have grown up without the weight of being black in America. They've had a childhood. It's worth it, apart from the damn internet. You know that they're safe here, and that is worth its price in gold back in Atlanta. We were up to no good as teenagers, drag racing every night. The worst they can get up to here is sniffing glue. I don't know. I've heard some funny stories from the parents in our school. I think they're doing a lot more than glue, Kike said. Now it's prescription, and they get it from their parents. You see? Yemisi cried. I'm telling you. Yeah, me see. this happens everywhere, Amaka rolled her eyes. Or do people not take drugs to escape their problems in Nigeria? What problems? What problems they got here? Latoya protested. Are you serious? Everyone has problems, Amaka shot back. I mean, it's all relative, Kike said to no one in particular. Just because you're cocooned in a bubble, Amaka teased. I've earned the right to my cocoon, Latoya shouted, and the women laughed. Nana held her hands up and leaned forward like a referee. Ladies, we need to start, or we'll be here all night. Let's vote before we get too tipsy to know what we're doing. We get the vote out of the way before we start our discussion. This last sentence was directed at Dara, who made an agreeable expression in response. What about Lillian? Amaka said suddenly. Isn't she coming? Latoya turned her head to look into the hallway. She's been gone a long time. Should we check on her? The other shrugged or reached for another handful of chips. Kike uncovered the cake, revealing the cream frosting sprinkled with chopped pecans. We're going to need this, she started to slice. My helper Annie's carrot cake is incredible. Yemisi took the first plate. I don't know how you stay so slim. I need the bathroom. I could see if she's all right, Dara offered, figuring she could plant the seed of an upset stomach to try and get an early night if discussions about the book proved to be too boring. Amaka had been no help with her lanny problem, and she'd worked three late nights in a row. Amaka tapped her arm lightly. Go after we vote. Hmm... Latoya shot her a look. I see you. What? Amaka feigned. Girl, I know you're low-key sneaky the way you text everyone before a vote. Latoya pointed a finger in Amaka's face. Amaka looked like She she was trying not to crumble into laughter. What are you talking about? Are you telling me you're not happy we went with Adichie? That's not the point. Can we please let this go? Nana interrupted. I can see the exact time everyone votes on the app, and no one has changed their mind after submitting their vote. You see? Thank you, Amaka gloated. Just because you didn't get the outcome you wanted, I thought Americans invented democracy. Latoya swung back, clearly enjoying the repartee. At least we have elections. When I first started the book club, we were open to all genres. Nana took charge, speaking directly to Dara. But the ladies hated my suggestions, so now we have two rules no nonfiction and no books on slavery. Which is a travesty. I mean, homegoing? Amazing! The Toya held her arms out dramatically. Nana refused to be derailed. That was our first book and we loved it, but we agreed, no more slavery. That's not what we want to be focusing on. And even though Nothing to Envy was an incredible portrayal of life in North Korea, no one bothered to finish it except me. So we're not doing non-fiction anymore. Anyway, each person nominates one book every meeting, tells us why we should read it, and then we vote anonymously online. The books we don't choose are added to a shortlist and then every three months we vote from that list. Oh, and the third rule is that it has to be a book no one has read before, so it's best to come with a few options. Why every three months? Dara asked curiously. Because. Nana must have reached the end of her list of guidelines because she took an iPad from her bag and swiped it open. All right. I'm nominating The Sympathiser, which I know none of you have read before. The writer won The Pulitzer. He's Vietnamese-American, and it's about a spy who defects from one side to the other during the Vietnam War. It's supposed to be incredible. What? Please no, Yemisi groaned. Kike. Nina ignored her. Kike spoke like a kid rushing around the sweet shop. The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. It's set in the 50s and it's about this actress who... Read it. Latoya cut in. It's right. Deflated, Kike read from her phone. I've got another one. Love in Colour. It's actually a collection of short stories retelling love myths from around the... Read it. Loved it. Latoya wagged her fingers. Kike took her copy of Purple Hibiscus and smacked Latoya's thigh you stop reading so much? I told you, my kids are grown. Reading, drinking and making love are all I do, Latoya cackled. I want to nominate Buchi Emecheta. Yemisi said solemnly. I wasn't too sure which book at first, but I think The Joys of Motherhood. It was written in the 70s about a Nigerian woman who's ostracized by her family because she can't have her baby. Natoya murmured into a glass as she sipped her wine. That's original. But slavery isn't, Amaka smirked. Seriously, this woman was a trailblazer, and we need to read more writers like her. I read online that her husband, who wasn't as educated as she was, burnt her first book. Each woman reacted visibly. Fucking men. Cush, so insecure, Nana nodded approvingly. Okay, good choice. Latoya? Latoya turned to Amaka. Amaka? No, please, go ahead, Amaka goaded. Yemisi threw her head back. Oh my goodness, can we please just vote? Fine, Latoya gave in. The bride test. Interestingly, also written by a Vietnamese-American. LaToya gave Nana a look of amusement. Dara saw that this piece of information had landed well, and Amaka must have seen it too, because she shifted in annoyance. Dara had to suppress a chuckle. She couldn't believe how seriously the women were taking this, or how much Amaka's competitive side was coming out. Even the way LaToya was canvassing the room like this was a general election was ridiculous. It's a romance about a woman who's brought to the U.S. to seduce an autistic guy. It sounds hilarious. It sounds offensive, Amaka said testily. It's not, though, because the guy's mother brings her over, and the writer's autistic, too, so you know it's sensitive. Latoya completed her slam dunk. Are you sure you haven't read it already? Amaka accused. Nana spoke before LaToya could answer. Amaka, what's your selection? Amaka didn't waste time. Americana. The same writer, two books in a row? LaToya exclaimed. Oh, Kike inhaled, excited. That's been on my to-read for years. Yes, Yemisi's head pounded up and down. We should have read it first. I'll admit. I read the first chapter when it came out, but that's it. Latoya could see she'd lost. Nana, new members should not be able to vote unless they're fully signed up, she insisted, looking at Dara. What? Since when? Okay, then Linian can't vote either, Amaka said quickly. That's fine with me, Nana said. Let's do it, ladies. The women took out their phones and opened the voting app. I'm going to find the loo. Dara got up before she could burst out laughing and went down the hallway. There were two doors separated by a tall bookcase. She tried the first. When there was no reply, she opened it, revealing a small room with a glow of a light behind the blinds. She could make out a baby's cot, a sofa bed, brown boxes on the floor and a train of cartoon characters stuck on the wall. She closed the door, then tapped lightly on the second, realising her need to pee was now very real. She pushed the door open, without waiting for a reply, and walked into what must have been the main bedroom. Facing west, it was filled with the last light of the sun. It took her eyes a few seconds to adjust well enough to make out the girl sitting on the floor. Oh God, sorry, I'm looking for the loo. Sure, just there. Lillian pointed at a door to Dara's left and began to stand. I was just charging my phone. Thank you. I'm really sorry I... Dara hesitated, unsure if she should use the toilet or not. It was impossible to tell how long Lillian had been sitting there and even harder to tell if she'd been crying. There was no phone near her. Are you okay? Okay. I'm fine. Go ahead. Lillian pushed a handful of twists off her face and tucked it into her bun. Hearing that, Dara's pelvic floor twitched and she hurried through the door, flicking a light switch on the wall. Once she was done, she did her best not to stare at the personal toiletries neatly organised across the bathroom counters as she washed her hands. Reaching for the hand towel ring, Her eyes fell on a small medicine box with an unopened syringe on top. Feeling like she'd overstepped a boundary, she dried her hands quickly and re-entered the bedroom. The room was full of shadows and Lillian was gone.